Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Beyond Bound podcast. I'm Ben Billups, and once again, I'm joined by our prestigious CEO, Jonathan Brush. Um, it's the new year, and we're everybody's going into it with a fresh perspective. 2020 is finally behind us. Um, maybe some things changed in your situation. Maybe they didn't. But a lot of people are talking about goal setting right now. Should we even be setting goals? Should we just be recovering from last year? Um, and if we are setting goals, though, then how should we be thinking? thinking about it and what should we be doing. So um, that's kind of the topic of conversation today. And I hope you guys find this podcast helpful. And before we jump into everything, I just wanted to remind you guys um, that you can refer a student to our program and get a bunch of free benefits if you go to beyondbond.us slash refer. And uh, registration for Basecamp is closing on January 11th. So if you're listening to this on release day, that's this coming Monday. Um, and at Basecamp, I, I just put this on our Be Unbound Instagram story too. But the thing that I'm most excited about with Basecamp is how practical it's going to be. So much education is idealistic um, and at times really doesn't have grounding in reality. But what you're going to get at Basecamp are principles, ideas, and even some experience in managing time tasks and relationships with excellence. And that's something that can translate into any area of life. So if you'd like to do that and get to hang out with some of your cool unbound friends, you can go to beunbound.us slash Basecamp to uh, learn more and register. And of course, as always, if you have any questions about the event, what you read on the page, you can email support at beunbound.us and we'll be sure to answer your question as quickly as possible. Um, so with that, Jonathan, you and I have actually had some version of this conversation several times talking about goals. What's the best way to achieve goals? Should you even yeah. be setting goals? All of that kind of thing. And so I'm just kind of curious to start with, do you personally believe in New Year's resolutions? Because there's kind of two camps on that. Some people resent it, think it's dumb. Other people think it's really important. And uh, and based on your position, why or why not? Well, I'll kind of take the third option and say sort of. Uh, I, I think most of the way people do New Year goals, New Year's goals and resolutions uh, ends up being mostly useless or guilt-inducing or just kind of frustrating to people. And so I, you know, there's loads of evidence that says that they're not real effective. Um, at the same time, Daniel Pink wrote a book called When the Science of Perfect Timing, and it was really fascinating about how certain things are easier at certain times. And there is lots of evidence that suggests that there are certain times of the calendar, right down to certain times of the week, when things are easier than others. And one of the most powerful is the beginning of a new year. So I think there is something, we can just, this is an interesting year to see that culturally, right? There's really no fundamental difference between December 31st and January 1st in the way most things are running. And yet the entire world, it seems, breathed this huge sigh of relief and said, oh, 2020 is over, 2021 is different. Uh, you know, you can kind of step back from that logically and say, that doesn't really make any sense. There's not really any fundamental difference. And yet, because of that collective understanding that there is a difference, it, there will be a difference, <laughs> if that makes sense. And so there, there is something very powerful about this idea of starting a new year, of turning over a new leaf. And so in that sense, I think it's really important. I think that a new year is always a great time to sort of look and say, if we're going to start something new, if we're going to do something different, if we're going to examine something, now's a better time to do it than, say, mid-June. And uh, now how that actually translates into goals and things, I think, is a little bit different. But there's something powerful about a calendar turning over in a brand new year being in front of you. How about you, Ben? What's your position on it? 
Yeah, so I definitely, I would say in high school and early college, I was definitely in the cynical camp of like, ah, all these people are going to go to the gym and they think they're going to stick with it and then they're not. And so kind of to avoid the stigma of being that guy that doesn't follow through on his resolutions, I just didn't make any. And that's how I was for a long time. Um, Until recently, I would say in the last three years or so, I actually started to take the time in the holiday to reflect on my year because you have that time. Most people have, you know, a week or two weeks where they can, you know, hang out with their family and just think about what happened this year. What do I want to change next year? Um, and, you know, how do I want to approach the f- coming year? And so I think even just doing that thought process is a good idea. And as a result of doing that, I did start to set some goals. Um, within that, I've started to kind of change the way that I think about my goals and change the expectations that I put on myself. Because I think the other thing I was resisting was just the idea that I should set these big goals that I have no idea how difficult they are to achieve and then feel like a failure if it doesn't happen. Right. Right. And so I think trying to manage that has been a part of my, my own personal evolution. But I would say long story short, yes, I, you could say, I believe in new year's resolutions. Um, I think you could set goals at any time. It's just a particularly good time to do it, which is why so many people do. Um, but kind of getting toward at what I was talking about a second ago. And, um, once again, this goes back to conversations that we've had a few times, but, I guess in your mind, Jonathan, a a line that people draw a lot is they talk about goals versus systems. So it's like you can set a uh, an objective and then you work to meet that objective. And then if you fall short, that's a failure. If you go above and beyond, that's a raving success. But uh, versus like a more system oriented approach, which maybe is more focused on things like habits um, or for example, constructing, basically constructing a, a scenario in which your mission actually becomes incidental. The outcomes you're looking for are incidental of the system. Um, so just kind of curious to hear, I, I just kind of answered the question of what is the difference, but I'm also kind of curious to hear your take on um, how you look at those two different ways of thinking about it. I think that this is something that most people get really confused about. I certainly got confused about this. And by the way, I was thinking back, you just said something about New Year's resolutions and you talked about reflecting. And maybe maybe that's a better way to sum up my opinion on New Year's goals, which is instead of New Year's resolutions, it's New Year's reflections. I think that it's a great time to reflect. And just that reflection by itself tends to reset you and reorient you to new things and to doing new things. And I think we can talk about the nature of goals here in a moment. But I, I owe this to... I can't think of the guy's name. Scott, is it Scott Adams who writes the uh, comic strip Dilbert? I think that's mm-hmm. I think that's right. Uh, Scott Adams wrote a book, and I can't even remember the name of the book. It's yes. sort of a biography, autobiography. And in it, he was the first time I'd read about this sort of systems idea. And um, very different kind of self-help success book. <laughs> a very interesting story. I recommend it if you have a chance to read it. And he pointed out something that I had sort of half noticed but had really never focused on. And then he explained it really well which is that most people focus on goals. And there is an interesting kind of, I think, a sort of tautological system here. People who are successful in a certain way, and this is the really important piece, you know, they're successful in kind of a noticeable, I could write a self-help type book type of way. Those people tend to be very goal-driven. And so consequently, they tell the rest of the world that this is the way to handle goals and do success. And so there's one formula for success. And the problem is that that formula flows out of one particular type of success that is the type of success that allows people to write self-help books. 
And in fact, there's a lot of different kinds of success. And there's many very, very successful people who are not motivated to write self-help books, who have a different kind of makeup and a different kind of background and attitude. Those people are also very successful. And there's actually far more of the second type. There's far more of those type of successful people. And they're generally not goal-driven. Uh, Adams argues that they're generally systems-driven. And that the problem is that the entire world thinks they ought to be goal-driven. In fact, systems-driven is a better match for most people, and most people don't know about that because that doesn't get the publicity. I thought that was fascinating. So as a quick illustration here, you know, goal-driven would be, I'm going to lose five pounds by blank, right? And, and Adams would argue, and I would back up and say, the problem with that kind of system is that, A, you're a failure until that one shining moment when you step on a scale and you've lost five pounds, at which point you now have to set a new goal or the whole thing's over. And for a lot of people, either they don't obtain that goal and they feel guilty, or they obtain that goal and then it's done, they gain five pounds back. A system would be, I'm going to go to the gym four days a week, and or I'm going to walk 20 minutes or 30, maybe that's a better way, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move 30 minutes a day. And so on Monday, you do 30 minutes. On Tuesday, you do 45 minutes. On Wednesday, you do 20 minutes, but you shrug your shoulders because you're trying to get to 30 minutes. On Thursday, you're back to 30 minutes. You skip Friday, but that's okay. It's a system. Back on Saturday, you're back to 30 minutes again. And it's just, it becomes a lifestyle. And all of a sudden, you walk off five pounds and you keep it walked off because this is just something you do every day. And a small setback is not a complete catastrophe. The only catastrophe comes if you entirely abandon the system. Um, and it has resiliency built in and it kind of adapts to life a lot better than a goal system. Now, I think that's a fascinating observation. I think that's an interesting system. I have come to understand for myself personally that there are some places for goals and there are bigger places for systems. I don't know that one is exclusive to the other, but that has really changed how I look at reflecting on a year, how I set goals and resolutions, how I sort of plan my strategy of where I'm going in a year. Um, I think I, I try to focus a lot more on systems and occasionally on goals when those are appropriate. So that's kind of the summary of the systems goal thing as I understand it. As you mentioned and alluded to, Ben, we've talked about this a lot. So share your thoughts as well here. Yeah, no, and I, I actually, I really appreciate the way you just laid that out. I felt like when I asked the question, the context I created, I just kind of bum rushed the topic, but that was a really clear explanation of the kind of the difference between the two and your thoughts on them. But I think it's interesting because I have, I would say I've become more and more a systems oriented person as time has gone on. And part of that is because, and I think you can actually kind of find your way to a systems mindset by setting goals, which is just basically a strange way of saying that you could become a systems person by using goals as a system. Anyway, it can get confusing depending on how you talk about it at times. But part of that is just because usually when I set a goal, I think this is one way that goals can be productive even if you fail, is I set a goal and then I realize that I lack the information, the expertise, or the discipline to actually accomplish that goal. And in the process of doing that, I I start to um, sort of analyze, all right, well, so where did I go wrong? Why didn't I hit my goal? And then I say, oh, I didn't know this. I didn't understand that. And then at, at a certain point, I start to see and understand that there's a level of knowledge that's required in order to set a goal with confidence. Um, so if you know how to do something, you're much better at setting goals because you're like, well, I'm going to have this done by this day and I'm going to do it this way. And that actually that that essentially takes expertise. And I think that's why goals can be so daunting at times, because um, if you're just setting a goal. So like weight loss is a great example. If you set a weight loss goal, but you've never actually had to lose weight, you never exercised consistently. Um, you have no idea what you're talking about. You know, you say, I want to lose five pounds, but I don't know how to do it. I have no idea. Um, 
And so even for me, when I look at my using my own, you know, fitness journey as an example or using um, examples from Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, there's been times where I cut a pound a day to try to make weight for a tournament and I got there and then I instantly gained it all back. And she's like, all right, so if my goal was to lose five pounds, you know, I could have done that in a week, but I would have instantly brought it back. So did I really reach my goal? No, my goal wasn't to lose five pounds. My goal was to keep five pounds off. And that's uh, that's different. And so you kind of acquire the information, you become more educated in the way that you approach things. So um, I would, so I think the, for me, the systems mindset is actually, I recently, right around the new year, I read a, a pretty short and concise book called Atomic Habits by James Clear. And I think he lays out a lot of similar ideas in um, what I consider is in a really practical way. The book doesn't have like earth shattering neurological studies or anything new in it, but it just has really great examples and practical applications for how to actually accomplish something. Um, and one of the things he talks about is he says, if you care about a goal, you'll create a system around it. Right. Um, and so in the, if you think about it that way, and when I think about it that way, then at that point, it's like, all right, I have this goal, but now I'm going to spend a ton of time studying and figuring out how do I actually get there? And that dramatically increases the chances that I'll actually reach the goal. So that's kind of my perspective on it. If I have to pick one, generally I pick systems, but I think they actually both in, in a best case scenario, they both work in harmony. I think it has a lot of context where you are in life too. This is very similar to, you know, in, in our Navigate course, we really slam into this idea that for young people, there's an expectation they know all the answers. And so there's this incredible pressure. By 18, you should know what you want to do for a career that therefore leads you to know what you should major in. So that helps you make the right choice about what college you go to. And, and you know, if you don't have all those things figured out, then the, there's a, the house of cards comes down and you're going to be consigned to a life of misery because you didn't get a good job or whatever, right? And there's this kind of cultural pressure that at 18, you should know all this. And of course, you know, I've not hardly ever met any 18-year-olds that have the foggiest idea of what that is because they don't have the experience to back it up. I think the same thing happens a lot with goals. There's all this pressure to set goals. I think there's some times in my life when goals were really easy. I, I, I saw significant things that needed to happen in my life and things I knew I wanted to obtain. And the roadmap to get there was fairly clear, required some work. There were other times in my life that I didn't even have the foggiest idea of where I was going, right? <laughs> like, you know, like the, it was not, it was very unclear. I was in more of a holding pattern. I was in a position where I needed to gain more experience before or gain more opportunity or, or, or find new opportunities before I could really set those goals. And so I think that that's, that there's a piece missing in all this systems and goals talk. And that's something that we talk a lot about in Navigate. We talk a lot about in Unbound. And that is that I think purpose is a big deal here. And so, you know, if, if I would break it down, it's like, I think a new year is a great time to reflect and to reflect a little bit on a greater purpose. And when I mean purpose, I mean really big stuff, right? As a Christian, my purpose is to love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, and mind, and my neighbor as myself. And, and it's good for me to reflect on that and to remind myself of that and say, that's my ultimate purpose. That's my ultimate thing. And then I can come down from that and say, well, how is that best lived out where I am right now? And then sometimes there's very clear goals that come out of that. Well, I should do this, this, and this. And other times there's not. And in that case, you know, it's easier for me to say, okay, well, I just, I need to create systems that help me maximize my purpose as best I can. And there's a whole different bunch of different ways you can do that. And other times, like the Atomic Habits, they talk about the fact that, you know, now I've got these goals and I create systems to reach them. Uh, but for me, it's very helpful to sort of always take that little reflection and say, what is my ultimate purpose? And I think what that does is it helps contextualize. 
There are places in life, and if you're listening to this, I think most of our audience are at this point is students, right? And so, so this may describe you. You may not have a clear set of goals. You're, you're not really sure exactly what's next. And I'd like to depressurize that for you and say, that's fine. That's actually perfectly normal. But a little reflection on what your purpose is and how best you can live that out in this coming year, where you are right now, um, so that you can create systems that then opportunities come along, that can make a big difference. Scott Adams talks about, he's a big systems guy, right? So he says, you know, I didn't set out to become a comic strip success guy. I basically built systems so that when success came, I could seize it. And, and he says, you know, it's very hard to predict what kind of success comes. Instead, you just build the skills and build the system so that when the opportunity comes, you can take it. I think that's right. But I'd add one more thing. It's very helpful to spend some time thinking about what you believe and why so that you know what success to grab. You know, the history is full and my life experiences are full mm. of people who took the wrong opportunity and it led them down sometimes dark paths, sometimes just dead end paths. And so, you know, if you're not sure what your goals are, just make sure that you know what your purpose is, build your systems. And then when the opportunity comes, the purpose thinking will help you know if it's the right opportunity and the systems thinking will help you take advantage of it. A hundred percent. That's great context because I think too, and this is the way that I've thought about my kind of approach to life in general is especially right now, I still consider myself a, like a young person is kind of figuring things out. And in many ways, I just look for places where I can put myself in a position to learn as much as humanly possible. So that way I have more information, more context, more skills and abilities to um, set more specific goals and ideas and positions for it's like, I'd like to be here in five years. Okay. Well, like I actually know what that looks like. I actually know that I want that. I actually know how to get there. Right. And kind of acquiring those skills takes time in itself to kind of put yourself in kind of in sort of a, an education for that. Um, and a lot of those opportunities exist um, all the time, you know, whether that's through the internet or in your community, there's so many things that you can be doing if you have an interest, but you don't have the opportunity you want. There's, there's almost certainly a chance that you could be doing some version of the thing that you're interested in doing so that you can find out, A, do you really like it? And B, you know, you can pick up some skills. Maybe that gets you the job you're looking for, et cetera, et cetera. So I think, you know, that's, that kind of thinking is, incredibly productive and it also kind of helps you keep an open mind um but yeah scott i i love i've heard a bunch of podcasts with scott adams i've heard a bunch of his ideas and i what he's just kind of like secretly the most interesting man in the world because i think he's like a registered hypnotist and he's this comic book guy and he used to be in corporate america and you're just like how how does this person exist um and one of the other concepts that he often talks about is like you could pick a discrete field so even let's say it's like track or something like that you're like i want to be the best in the world it's like okay well you could focus on that and you might be able to get there and maybe there'll be some obstacles along the way and he says but he, he another one of those contrarian ideas is he says he thinks people often fail to see the advantage of combining things. He's like, well, what if you're the best running coach who can also build a website? And it's like, if that's the case, then you, there's actually unique opportunities that are presented to you that nobody else has. Nobody else has access to those opportunities. And so finding your own combination, I think, requires just being exposed to kind of a really diverse set of opportunities. Um, so anyway, that, big Scott Adams fan. That, but, that's a yeah. That's probably a topic for a whole other podcast, but there's something really important here to sort of note. I think that 
culturally, there's this idea that you're not successful unless you're successful. And, and what I mean by that is that you're not successful unless you've obtained certain peak uh, achievements in certain areas. You're not successful unless you're a Super Bowl winning football player. Like just being a football player in the NFL is not enough. You know, to be a football player in the NFL, you have to also be on a championship team. You're not successful unless you're a CEO of a major company. You know, being a vice president, senior vice president, that's not, you didn't really obtain the top. Uh, and so there's these kind of locked in rigid sort of success matrices and people think, and so there's like, you know, a dozen, three dozen, five dozen, I don't know, categories and you have to be successful in those things. And I think that that is so frustrating and often stifling and, and suffocating for people because it doesn't take much life before you realize that, holy smokes, I ain't going to get there. Like, I mean, there's, there's only so many of those slots and I didn't, I wasn't, I'm not destined for it, like whatever happened. And so then I think that all that kind of youthful optimism fast goes to cynicism and cynicism quickly turns to bitterness. And look, you know, we've talked about this in other places we got a suicide rate and opiate addiction rate that makes us think that there's a lot of bit, cynical, bitter people out there. And so this idea of hybridization, I think, changes everything, right? Because, you know, we talk about this a lot, Ben, in terms of entrepreneurial stuff. You know, you do not have to create something brand new to be an entrepreneur. In fact, that's a terrible way typically to be successful because it's so difficult to convince people that the best entrepreneurs take something from here and something from here and bring them together in a new way. And people go, I know what that is. I know what that is. And those things are together. That really solved my problem. And that's almost always a fantastic recipe for entrepreneurial success. I think that's a recipe for personal success too, right? You don't have to, your example is great. You, you, very few people are going to be Olympic track stars, but think about, but you could be an Olympic runner or excuse me, you could be a really good runner who has the background then to become an exceptional coach who happens to spend some time at some, you know, high tech firms that got really good at building websites who now can be an exceptional coach. who can reach an entire world with your coaching methodologies through the website now, now you really can be the top of that nil niche you created, and that can have a major impact on the world. And again, it's not the scale that matters here. It could be small, it could be large, but it's the fact that you and only you can take these different experiences, pull them together. And if you can take your disparate experiences and focus them on the purpose that you were called to do, uh, then you are going to make an extraordinary difference in the world, no matter how ordinary it is stuff that you're doing. And I know that's sort of off the topic of we're talking about goals and things like that. But I think when people are talking about goals, they start thinking about their life and then whether they're successful and all those things. And generally what happens is like, ah, oh, I didn't do whatever phenomenal thing the Joneses did. Right. And um, I just would offer a little encouragement and say, that's not a problem. I think in terms of hybridization, think in terms of mixing it up and remember that you and only you have had your experiences. And so only you can apply those in that unique way. And that's a very exciting thing. That, that's a, that's a God-given gift. So. Absolutely. And I think, uh, yeah, I think it helps because I find myself, and maybe this is even why I resisted goals for so long, but when I set goals, I feel like I'm putting up artificial limitations to my life. Right. Where it's like, if I don't accomplish these things, I'm a failure. It's like, well, what if I find something cooler along the way, or I realize I'm not interested in it? It's like, and then I have to consider myself a failure. That seems kind of unfair. So there's definitely room for flexibility there and kind of how you are living your life. Um, and so I, I'm just kind of curious to hear from you, Jonathan, on a personal level, like I don't know if you've already set goals for this year, but when you do set goals, uh, how do you set them and kind of organize them? Do you look at them every month? Like what's your process? Yeah. So first of all, I, I, you know, I've done all kinds of different things 
And and I and for me, and maybe for some of you, the most common sort of problem is that I don't set a goal. I set something like 38 goals. And while I'm sitting down doing my little personal retreat in the beginning of January and December, 38 goals to completely and radically change every aspect of my life looks eminently doable and really awesome. And I get super excited putting them all on paper. And then, of course, you know, they're just a load of frustration and <laughs> failure down the line. So one of my big things that I've learned is that I limit my goals and, and I, I can't have more than three that I concentrate on any time. Now, I actually give myself the luxury of writing down all of those, but then I have to pick three that I think about. Now, here's something that we teach in our courses and that has been a major game changer for me. I give myself permission to quit those goals at any time as long as I replace them with something else. So the idea here is that, you know, I can set a goal and I try the older I get, the smaller the goals are. I try to set small goals instead of large, huge, like complete paradigm changing goals. Uh, that comes from lots of things, but Atomic Habits talks about the same thing, right? So something achievable because success breeds success and it gives you momentum. Um, but I give myself this permission. At any point in time, I can change that goal related to what you said, Ben. Like, what if I find something else more interesting? Well, that's a great question. What if I do find something else more interesting? In which case, I just shift goals and say, okay, I was going to do this, but now I'm not going to do this. I'm going to do this instead. Now, to me, it's a failure if I quit the goal and don't replace it. That was just quitting. But if I quit the goal and replace it, typically it was something related to it, but perhaps not. Maybe I had three goals and 20 on my sort of reserve list and I get into the year and figure out that goal three doesn't that interesting. So I pick up another one from the list. I find that that mindset helps me move forward. It keeps me in a growth mindset. It keeps me in a seeking mindset. It keeps me in a motivated move, do something mindset. Um, but it doesn't become stifling and suffocating. And then as we referred to earlier, you know, I try to build systems around reaching that goal. And, and this is more, I think, art than science. And I'm not so sure that I'm good at this, but I try really hard to identify, is this a systems thing or is this a goal thing, right? You know, in other words, a goal would be, I want to go backpacking in the Grand Canyon. That, that's very f definite. You can build up to it. You can do it. And last year I did that. And that was, you know, it was check it off as a goal achieved, right? But a systems thing is I want to be healthy enough that if any, somebody invited me to go to the Grand Canyon next week, I could go and do it and come back out alive. And so that's a, that's a systems thing. And so that could also be a goal, but that's a little bit weird because it's like that's a goal to build a system. And so, you know, I, I try to sort of differentiate between those two. And I find like you perhaps more and more, most of my goals wind up being sort of systems thing. I want this aspect of my life to be better. And so I want to make a bunch of changes, small changes across a wide swath of my life to kind of systematize it so that I'm prepared and ready for this. And then that allows me to be able to take advantage of opportunities as they come up. And I'll confess that that part to me is still sometimes has me scratching my head and trying to figure things out. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's funny. There was one, I just recently saw an interview with uh, Jerry Seinfeld and Seth Rogen. And Seth Rogen's obviously the uh, a famous comedy actor. Jerry Seinfeld's you know, famous for his sitcom and for his stand-up. Um, and I don't know what any of our listeners particularly think about either of those guys, but I just thought this part of the interview was interesting. And what I didn't realize is that for about five years, Seth Rogen was trying to become a stand-up comedian. He was performing in his hometown four or five times a night for about five years, um, four or five years. And then he moved to LA and he says what he realizes, he moved to LA 
and he finally encountered people who really wanted to be stand-up comics and he realized that he didn't want it as bad as they did and so he made he changed he made a pivot he decided to become a comedy actor to write comedy films and then to act in them um, as opposed to try to be a stamp comedian and he's been wildly successful at that and so i just think it's interesting too it's like being open to because nobody would say Seth Rogen is a failure. But if you're right. trying to say, is is Seth Rogen a stand up comic? 15 year old uh, Seth Rogen would say that he's a failure because he's not a stand up comic. Right. And so I think it's that kind of is being open to that sort of uh, thinking that I think is really helpful and productive. And so um, I would say for about the last two years, Jonathan, I've done exactly what you talked about, which is my especially my 2020 goals. There were so many of them, which is kind of comic at this point. I, there's there may have been 38, but. Um, one template that I used actually for a while that helped me, um, which shout out to uh, Marissa Nash, who was an unbound coach. She actually shared this on her Instagram at one point. So I just started using it. It is a helpful way to think. But, you know, it's basically you could set goals for your career. You could set personal goals, relationship goals, health goals, financial goals. So it's like thinking about it in those terms I found helpful. And so last year I set all kinds of goals. And I think I probably accomplished a third of them maybe half of them um, while I was going through the review. And then this year, my goals are, I think there's a total of like seven on here. And most of those are kind of habit goals. It's like, mm -hmm. I want to be better about studying scripture every day. I want to be better about getting in a little bit of exercise in the morning to kind of get my brain going. Just basic, really basic things that do not sound that hard. And even still, the last couple of days, uh, you know, if I go to the, my apartment gym and I'm on the elliptical for 20 minutes and then I leave, there's like a little drill sergeant in my head that's like, that wasn't a workout. Like, come on. Yeah. But and then I have to remind myself that I'm not trying trying to show up and exhaust myself and go red line and go maximum intensity. I'm just trying to get into the habit of going into the gym every day. That's all I care about. And so um, as a matter of fact, Jace Bauer, our blog author, uh, just wrote a blog post about this as well. You can go to bnbad.us slash blog to read it, but it has a lot of similar ideas in it. He talks about if you want to learn how to play violin, maybe the best first step is actually just to pull your violin out of its case every day and look at it, maybe play with it a little bit, put it back. Five minutes, that's it. And just kind of getting yourself into the habit of interacting with the violin or going to the gym, just doing that is so important. So that's definitely been a shift in my thinking this year. And I'm really curious to see how that plays out into everything else. Um, so yeah, we've, we kind of, we've touched on sort of how to organize it, how many goals we set, um, and also being flexible to new information, um, to goals. And so I guess just to, uh, to wrap up this conversation here, which has been pretty fun. I'm just curious too, Jonathan, to hear about how do you think about your goals? So habits are Kind, they're basically a system, but I guess when you're thinking of specifically about habits, how do goals play into them? Um, and how do you think about it when you're looking forward to the new year? Well, I, I find myself more and more working on habits a lot more than I work on goals. You know, goals tend to be a lot more fun to write and to think about. You know, your goal is I'm going to, you know, hike the Grand Canyon. I'm going to do this big trip. I'm going to whatever. Um, but it's habits that end up paying the biggest dividends, I think, in my experience. And so more and more, I find myself sort of looking at my life. And I guess the other thing is, as I've gotten older, I, I've realized how little control I have over opportunities in my life. Now, that sounds cynical and it sounds pessimistic, but I actually will tell you that that has been had the exact opposite effect on me. 
Um, that actually has been very exciting and very um, invigorating for me uh, because, you know, I've just I have, I've reached a point in my life where I can look back and things that I thought were dead ends turned out to have connections that I never would have imagined. And stuff that I thought this is a waste of time turned out to be redeemed in ways that were really surprising. And things that I thought were going to be impossible, God made possible. And it's been a great reminder for me that I'm not in charge. And I've now lived long enough to know just dimly that me being in charge of everything would be an absolutely terrifying situation for myself, let alone anybody else that had to deal with me. And so that idea that like, I don't know what's possible, things that I thought were impossible turned out to be possible. Things that I thought were possible turned out to be impossible a lot harder than I thought. And so consequently, I feel like there's a lot more to gain from these habits and these little things that I can build that then put me in the right position to be able to take advantage of these unexpected blessings or take advantage of these unexpected opportunities. Uh, so all that to say is that almost always now, when I think of goals, I, I immediately start thinking, what are the habits that would be necessary to reach this goal? What, what, what is it, you know, if this is where I want to go, what would I have to do routinely to be able to make that happen? Your example of Jace's article saying, you know, if you want to play the violin, just interact with it. Um, one of my kids, um, one of my children that he, he's, fascinated by, passionate about instruments and, um, and music. And it's been really interesting for me to watch him. If, if I was going to play an instrument, I would like thoroughly research everything about it, try to get this big thing, set all these huge goals, find the perfect stuff, get everything. And, and, I, and, and I know from experience, the result would be I'd almost never do anything. Um, my son is totally unafraid to pick up any instrument and just start to make it make noise and just fiddle with it and play with it and just and sometimes he does it for five minutes and sometimes he does it for three hours and sometimes he just has a two-day gap and sometimes but he always does something and then we're always like wow i can't believe you can play that like it happens so fast and then i think it didn't really it was just a consistent constant sort of messing with it right and so more and more every time i get a goal i think okay what is it that i could do that is so simple that i could do it every day and so easy that I would never balk at doing it, that would help me move towards that. And almost always reject that and go, no, no, it's never going to work. That's, I have to do all this. And again and again, I've learned that, nope, that little thing just done again and again and again tends to add up in ways that you never expect. And it, it, it creates the opportunity for the big gains to come. And it generally puts you in the position to be um, successful when the things that come that you don't expect. So that was a little bit of a long rambling answer, but it's just, I just, as, as you asked that, Ben, I'm just reflecting on all the times I've set those goals and then all the times I've looked back and they didn't work. And then the little things that have just added up. One last thing, it's a little bit off track, but I thought this was your SLS question. You said you set a bunch of goals in 2020 and you achieved like half of them. And, and I want, if you're a listener and you're listening to that and you're kind of nodding your head and like, yeah, I only got half my goals done too. I would really challenge you to go look at the other <laughs> way and go, what would happen if you had set none of those goals? Like, that's a pretty significant chunk of things you got done, man. Like, that's a, like, and I, we have a family joke. I started speaking at conventions and parenting and homeschool conventions. And I had this one thing that was picked up all the time. And it was like the 10 year plan, you know, you put out these presentations and then the organizers pick which ones they want to do. And I put this out kind of as a fling and it was like a 10 year plan, like the, the most important years or 10, I think it was called 10 critical years. And it was basically, you know, a plan for raising kids from 10 to 20. And of course, like every student sort of snotty upstart, know it all. I did this when my oldest kid was like 12, right? So I absolutely have no idea. Now, 
happily. And every <laughs> one of those presentations, I opened it by saying, I don't know if this is going to work. This is my idea. Like I was at least smart enough not to be arrogant enough to say this is the way I did it. I said, this is, this is my idea. And my kids always make fun of me. And they're like, we didn't do any of that stuff. But that's only partially true. Like we didn't certainly live out our life exactly as I laid out in that session. But the fact that I thought about that session and delivered it a zillion times all over the country made me constantly be thinking about those things. And it absolutely impacted every piece of my wife and I's parenting and the way we've taken not all of our children, but the first couple through 10 years, right? Did we do it exactly like it looked like in the presentation? Not even close. Would we have done those things if I hadn't done the presentation? I don't think we'd even have thought of them. And so that's what I keep coming back to. Like, it's not always the actual achieve, cross it out, exit, scratch out and say, I did that. Often it's just the act of reflecting, thinking about and moving towards something that winds up growing you, uh, helping you and giving you opportunities that you never imagined. Absolutely. Yeah, there's actually there's a couple of like sayings that just kept popping into my head while you were bringing that up, because it's like people there's things that people like to say, which I think are fundamentally true and maybe especially true in tandem, which is like when people say failing to plan is planning to fail. Right. That that makes sense. That sounds true. Um, but by the same token, no plan survives the war. I can't remember who it was that coined that. But it's like if you think about those two things as coexisting realities um, that you should make a plan, but then you also shouldn't expect that every aspect of your plan is going to to uh, follow through. The other thing that came to mind is something that I've probably heard coaches say a hundred times, which is when they say um, slow is smooth and smooth is fast. Yes. Right. Yep. Which is, and that's how I think about habits, which is like, usually when I'm trying to learn a new habit or I'm focusing on a habit, it's so small and it takes so long for it to become really internalized that it feels like it's taking forever. It's like, I'm not really making progress towards my goal. I'm just, you know, I'm doing this tiny right. thing every day and like trying to remember to do it. And then, but at some point that becomes totally internalized. And then as you compound those things on top of each other, um, it, it like it really starts to accelerate. It's more of an exponential instead of a, a linear or, or um, uh, um, progression. And so anyway, that I think that's how I think about it. Um, Atomic Habits by James Clear was really helpful for me just to, in thinking about some of those things. So I definitely recommend that book. And what was the name of that book by Scott Adams that you're mentioning? Yeah, I can't remember the name. I should. If I heard it, I'd probably recognize it. OK, but uh, I don't I don't know if he's, I don't know if Scott Adams read a written a bunch of books. Obviously he's got a bunch of books that are his comic strips, but um, this was, it's it's kind of a biography and a book about success. And if you would Google Scott Adams, you'd be able to find that for sure. So Awesome. And we'll put it in the description um, of this podcast as well. So you can just click on the link if you're listening to this. Um, once again, guys, you can go to beyondbond.us slash refer to recommend students to our program. You can also find out on that page about the free perks you get when a student you refer enrolls. And you can go to beyondbond.us slash Basecamp to learn more about the event. Registration closes very soon. So if you're thinking about it, go ahead and take a look on that page. But thanks for joining me for this conversation, Jonathan. This was fun. Um, I hope that our listeners, you guys found it helpful and we will catch you next week. 